Welcome to Pod for the Cause, the official podcast of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and the Leadership Conference Education Fund, where we expand the conversation on critical civil and human rights issues of our day. I'm your host, Ashley Allison, coming to you from Washington, D.C. And like we start off every show, we got the Pod Squad, where we talk social justice, pop culture, and everything in between. Today, our show is about census, and I have two very special guests with me. Beth Link, the Census Counts National Campaign Director, and Tamika Turner, Census Counts National Communications Director. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank, Thank you. you so I'm much. excited. Well, you know, I feel like I've had to start so many pod squads off this way in a somewhat somber note. Just a couple of days ago, there was a video of a tragic shooting that happened of a Black man by police officers in Kenosha, Wisconsin, Jacob Blake luckily is still with us alive in stable condition. And so if you're a person of faith or however you send good vibes to folks, you know, my prayers are with you, Jacob, and your family for a full and speedy recovery. But I'm so sick of talking about this on this show because it keeps happening. And so Beth, how are you feeling as a Black person living in this country with yet another video of a Black body assaulted? it weighs on you. I mean, it is the constant trauma and re-trauma. And like you said, Jacob is alive. I am praying with his family. I really am thinking about and appreciate folks sharing images of his life, that he is still alive. Just this past year, we've been seeing images of violence on Black bodies over and over again. But even, you know, 65 years ago, Emmett Till's mother had an open casket to ensure that folks felt her grief, saw the pain, and were able to see what racism had done to her son. And now, 65 years later, we're seeing that again and again for communities to see and feel and actually kind of experience that visceral pain that these Black people feel every time a Black body is assaulted, they need to see the proof. And I think, you know, that is also painful in this moment. So what I've been doing to try and care for myself and for my community is trying to share and experience my own Black joy, but also I love folks who are sharing family moments, moments of laughter. It's true that Black joy is resistance, particularly in this moment, and we've got to certainly fight for justice as we all are doing, but also care for ourselves in a moment that is incredibly painful. Yeah. Tamika, I'm interested in how you're feeling in this moment. How are you processing it all? Are you able to find that joy in such a sad time? Right now, the space that I'm in is trying to figure out how I can channel my fear and my anger towards action with more eyes on police violence in the middle of a pandemic. It is really hard to find that joy and it may take more work for some people, but I do think that there's so many local actions happening to plug into. And that's kind of where I've been focusing my energy. Like, how can I support in my community efforts to combat police violence? And how can we work together to find real accountability measures? Because we're at a moment where police departments know that all eyes are on them. And yet we are still seeing the murder of Black people. And not just that, but also then violence against people who go into the streets to protest that violence. For me, it's really about where can I take all of these feelings that are bubbling up inside of me and make it into something really productive that really helps our community. I totally hear you. It's 
where to channel the anger too, quite honestly, the frustration and rage. You know, Beth, you mentioned his children. You know, they were there, they were present, they saw what happened. We can only hope that their fragile young minds can extract that memory of seeing such violence. But it also reminds me of Philando Castile. His daughter was in the backseat when he was murdered. And the little girl holding her mom and saying, it's okay, mommy, I'll take care of you. And feeling so outraged, like the trauma that these children are also experiencing. And, you know, when I think about the lack of being able to go back to school because of COVID, when COVID first started, there was this belief that young children were able to not get it. The younger you were, the safer you are. Now there are 97,000 children who have tested positive for COVID. And You all work on the census. You know, children are often not counted. There's like 170,000 plus people who have died from this disease. 97,000 children have tested positive for this virus. When you hear those things, how do you make it make sense? Tamika, I'll start with you. If you're making a consideration about opening schools, what does that really mean? How much funding has this school had? You're saying, oh, let's open a window. Can you open a window? And that all goes back to have we been as a community, collectively taking care of these schools. They're old. They need to be updated. As a nation, we are so individualistic that there's an empathy gap when you're focusing on individualism versus collectivism. Feeling other people's pain is something that people have to actively work on. And I think there's just an education gap. You know, a lot of people aren't up on the latest research. Me, every night I'm reading coronavirus things. I am so worried and so honestly obsessed with it. It's not just that children are getting it. Even folks that aren't getting sick, maybe they had it, but they didn't actually have any symptoms. You're now seeing heart issues, lung issues. And we really have to think like, what does not investing in our communities and their safety mean for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, which is so similar to the census work. How is the census connected to COVID? How is it connected to going back to school? And quite honestly, like really hard to complete. One thing that you said before about kind of the trauma that's being inflicted on our kids and our future in this moment is that, you know, you see kids with masks on, you see videos of kids seeing trauma where their parents are being assaulted. You're seeing kids who are growing up in a moment and seeing our democratic institutions under attack, including the 2020 census that will bring the resources, the federal funding, the ability to rebuild our communities, the ability to bring political power to the communities the way that communities deserve being undermined at every turn. The 2020 census, like you said, was originally before the pandemic going to be completed by the end of July. We're seeing nationally uh, about seven in 10 households have participated in the census, but we're seeing huge disparities across the country. In the Black community, response rates on average are 10 points behind the national average. In Hispanic communities, response rates on average are seven points behind the national average. And in tribal communities on reservations amongst American Indians, response rates are more than half the national average. In some areas, the self-response rate is is 24 to 26%. And so it's important to note that the same communities that are most under attack from the virus and have been impacted by the pandemic are also having a low response to the census and are at risk for missing out on the resources that would bring funding and resources to update schools, like Tamika noted, need to happen, that would bring 
more funding for healthcare that we need to rebuild from this pandemic that would bring needed infrastructure changes that could upgrade the quality of water and the ability of folks to work from their homes. A lot of those resources and that power that will be needed to make the change that we need to rebuild from this crisis will come from census data. And we're seeing a very real threat where the communities that need those resources and that political power the most are going to be left behind. And this census right now, it's important for folks to know that you can respond up until September 30th at this point online at 2020census.gov or by phone or by returning a paper questionnaire that folks will receive in the mail. And should do it right now, if you haven't already, and tell everyone you know to, because the risks of not are really going to impact communities for a decade and beyond. You know, the Postal Service has been in the news a lot. Is the Postal Service and its shifting of being as effective as it has been in the past, Tamika, is that hurting people being able to complete their census? It's absolutely harming communities in a couple different ways. The census is available online, but not everyone has connectivity. Not everyone's comfortable with computers. A lot of people do choose to return their paper questionnaire by mail. And they need to know that USPS has the funding and resources and flexibility and freedom to get their responses there on time. If they're not counted, the very same resources they're relying on for coronavirus, housing, food assistance, unemployment insurance, all of that's from the census they're not going to get that for the next decade. But there's also this other piece, right? You know, we talk about the places where we're seeing low self-response or the places where we're seeing really high impact of coronavirus because people's focus isn't on doing the census, right? People are trying to take care of themselves, their families, their communities. They're trying to survive. And USPS helps people do that. So many seniors, so many people with disabilities get their medication through USPS. If the Postal Service isn't able to do that, and if there's all of these attacks stopping them from being able to give the great service that they've given for years and years and years and years, you're going to have people that just aren't going to be able to complete the census because their focus has to be on staying alive. I know things can feel very overwhelming, but they're all connected. And so if there's one thing you can do to help get that domino to tip over to help your community and then let the other dominoes fall into place is the census. So you've been hearing me talk about it for a long time. Beth, what's the website for the census for people to fill it out? 2020census.gov. And when is the last day they can fill it out? Do it now, but the final date is September 30th. Thanks again, Beth and Tamika, for joining the Pod Squad. Coming up, I'm turning the show over to Beth, where she's going to talk to comedian, actress, and advocate Cristela Alonzo all about the census. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Pod for the Cause. No, your ears are not deceiving you. I am not Ashley Allison. I am Beth Link, the Census Counts Campaign Director at the Leadership Conference. And you guessed it, we're talking all things census. We have a special guest with us today. She is a stand-up comedian that made TV history in 2014 by becoming the first Latina to create, write, and star in a network TV sitcom. 
She was also the first Latina to star in a Disney Pixar movie when she starred as Cruz Ramirez in Cars 3. Comedian, actress, and advocate, Cristela Alonzo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is right up my alley, and I'm so excited that we can talk about important things because, let's face it, there's a lot of important things going on, so it's nice that we actually put time aside for specifics. So I'm ready to talk. Let's do this. So we're talking about all things census. So first and foremost, did you fill out your census questionnaire, and how was it? I filled it out right away when I got it because I wanted to make sure that it was taken care of. I decided to do it online this time, and it was really easy. It was just a basic set of questions that at the time that I finished the quiz, I thought I had more to do, but it was so quick. I think I did it in three minutes, if that. So that's how simple it was that I don't understand why we have to tell people to do it. You can do it waiting for a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? It's so insane. Well, I love that you called it a quiz. I mean, it's nine questions. 2020census.gov is where people can take it. I mean, they say less than 10 minutes, but it's even less than that. It's super easy. And in some ways, it's kind of faster than a BuzzFeed quiz or something, right? It's like, look, you can either find out what kind of Disney princess you are, or you can be counted so that your community gets money. I mean, (laughs) the answer's right there. We know it is very easy to participate in the census. You can do online, by phone, or by returning the paper questionnaire that folks receive. But we also know many communities of color, many folks across the country still have not yet participated in the census. So why do you think, Christella, that some folks may be fearful or concerned about participating in the census and might not be participating? What would you say to those folks? I think it really comes down to the basic word, which is fear. The census is something that we are not taught about in school. There is never a lesson in school about the census. So school is where we go and learn. If we don't get the information at school, when are we going to learn it? You know, and I always tell people, especially I've noticed this during elections and get out the vote efforts and stuff. It's like when adults don't know something that they learned as children, it's very hard to teach them to do it as adults because we're already set in our ways, you know? So I think that also, especially with my community, with the Latino community, we won the face of immigration, right? Like anytime people think about immigration, they think about Latinos, but there are so many other immigrants that live in this country from other countries. We as a country have done a very good job of scaring people into thinking whatever move they do might lead into something negative. And that's just from plain old experience, regardless of what it is. I mean, that's one of the reasons we're in this middle of a movement that's actually taking action where we talk about like Black Lives Matter. And the whole thing is about showing communities are just like everyone else. And the census, that's basically what the census is. It's actually a reset to show everybody that we're all exactly equal and the same. That's why the questions in the census are just so basic about like humanity, what you are as a person. It doesn't talk about legal status. It doesn't talk about what health conditions you have or anything. They just want to know, are you a person? Do you have other people in your house? Okay, bye. That's it. I know you are a first-generation American. Your parents are undocumented. And how does that personal experience and even kind of living in a mixed status household and family, why is census participation important to all communities, but particularly to communities like yours? And what do you say to mixed status families that may be concerned about participating in the census? 
I always say that in a way I was a parent to my parents, you know, like my mom, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I was a mom to my mom in regards to American culture. She didn't know any of it. So, you know, while she's teaching me basics on how to survive and live, I have to teach her how to live in the United States. So basically, I think a couple things. First of all, in mixed status families, you know, me, I was responsible for doing all the paperwork. I had to translate everything for my mother. I grew up very quick as a kid, you know, trying to help my mom get by. Because of that, though, I think people in my position, children of immigrants, first gen, whatever it, it may be, we actually have to take that knowledge that we take about learning from the census and applying it to our parents, teaching our parents how to do it and just making it a regular part of life. I will say because we don't understand what the census is, like we don't understand what it does. We don't understand about the money that goes back into the communities. Then we see the results of it later on. Growing up, I went to public school in a border town in South Texas. I grew up in South Texas and we had 30 plus students in our classrooms growing up because that is what the schools got money for. We got money for a certain amount of kids, but the ones that weren't counted, we didn't account for them. So what ends up happening? We get crowded in a schoolroom. So not everyone gets the opportunity to learn like everybody else. You know, it's like when you fill out the census, if you think that there's 12 students to a classroom, then you can set up the pattern to teach 12 kids to a classroom. But if you don't fill out the census, then you end up with like 30, 32 kids, but we're only set up for 12 to learn. $1.5 trillion every single year is distributed based off of census data. And what you're talking about, schools, absolutely. Education funding, infrastructure, healthcare. When we think about the tools that communities need, particularly communities that have been hit hard by COVID-19 that will need to rebuild from this health crisis and this pandemic, it is the funding that's distributed by census data that will help on the road to recovery. So in my hometown, the Rio Grande Valley, that area right now with COVID, because we are not counted accurately, because people have not filled out the census, we realize that we didn't have close to any kind of accurate number to help people that go to hospitals seeking help, medical assistance during COVID. So what happens? Now I want to say that it's been about six, eight weeks. They ended up having to fly patients to hospitals as far as New Mexico and Oklahoma because they don't have the support, you know, to help all the residents there. And I was actually watching Rachel Maddow last week or so, and she mentioned none of the people that have been flown out have made it back home. We have to understand the trickle effect in a good way of what happens with the census. Because when the government or a lot of organizations pass out the information about campaigns, they also make it seem like it's boring and it's very, you know, just too factual and not enough basic conversational, you know, information that people understand. One of the reasons we know that response rates have been uh, low is the Trump administration is doubling down on their efforts to inject confusion and chaos into the census count by cutting the census operations short by a month, but also introducing an unconstitutional memorandum that directs the Census Bureau to take people who are undocumented out of the totals that are sent to the White House for the purposes of apportionment doesn't change how people are counted, but I think it causes a lot of confusion in communities about, can I participate in the census? Should I participate? Do I count? 
And I think we, at the Census Counts campaign and at the leadership conference say loudly and clearly, yes, you count, you count. I know you've been having a lot of conversations with folks in California, particularly work with undocumented communities and telling folks, you count, the constitution is very clear, you count, participate in the census. What does that advocacy look like? And how do those conversations go? It's really hard because, again, in school, we're taught that the president of the United States is the most important person to guide us. That's why they get named president. We forget that they work for us to represent us as a whole. But in this time, it is easy to cause doubt by having the president, the highest office in this country, say, hey, undocumented citizens, this is how it works. And what happens is that when he says something like that, then a lot of media picks it up because it's a salacious story. It's like, can you believe this is happening? But what happens is that we don't have enough people countering that argument on TV. So we're just left with the idea that the president wants to do this against the undocumented community. So I'll tell you, when I talk to people, it's hard. And I've been doing it for years. So for me, what I want to tell people and what I like to tell, especially the undocumented community, is you as a person matter so much. And I explain it this way because I talk to a lot of farm workers, right? So the idea is as a farm worker, you gather fruit, vegetables, whatever crops you work in. And I know that it seems like you don't matter because, you know, this is like one of those jobs that people, they kind of generalize as like, oh, these people, you know, it's anytime that people use these people or anything like that, it's never good. I always try to explain to them, without you, the country can't eat. So that's an example of how important you are. If you don't show up for work, those crops do not get picked. And this is specifically for the farm worker community. So then, you know, what I try to tell them is that's how important you are. You not going to work can cause people to not eat, especially right now. That's why we see you as essential workers during this time, because you really are essential. And you got to understand that you are so necessary in everything we do. And I think that's another thing that we constantly have to remind people, because I think we do a good job in this country of showing people that you matter more, the more money you have. Anyone poor, disadvantaged, you know, economically disadvantaged, it makes them feel like, well, what do I get out of it? The thing is, is that the census Everyone counts. Everyone exists because of the census. The census is actually about trying to make life easier for everyone. When folks ask, why does everyone count? It's like, well, let's just think purely pragmatically. If you're on the interstate or on the highway and your community didn't get highway funds to extend the highway lane, one more lane so that you weren't stuck in traffic. Do you really care if the family's next to you or undocumented or not? You want resources to come to your community. You want the resources that your community deserves. And then frankly, you know, we know that undocumented people and families work, live, contribute to our communities or part of our communities account. And that's why we're really going all in to get out the count. So Christelle and I are both wearing our Count All Queens shirts. We want to make sure we're counting all queens, all people. But what are some ways we can make the census real, human? What are some actions that people can take as they're listening and getting fired up about really the crisis point we are in terms of census participation? What are some ways that people can take action? What have you been doing? You know, like for me, I always say that it's always fun to sneak in learning in what you do. 
So I like to make people laugh and then afterwards have them think, oh, I learned something about that. I also think that you lead by example. Do it on an Instagram live. Fill out your senses while you're doing your Instagram live to show people how easy it is. Like we talk about how it can take 10 minutes, maybe less. I mean, seriously, you go online, you fill it out while you're talking to people. You can just show them how easy it is and then you're done. Because if people are unfamiliar with it, they might think it's really extensive, you know, so they might be surprised. So lead by example. Also, you got to be a real person with people, you know, and understand that when you talk about it, you talk about it because it's really important to you. Not because someone's telling you that this is the agenda we're working on right now. You got to talk to the community and tell the community, hey, this is what I'm coming to tell you. We need to do the census. Have you guys heard of the census? Like, yo, let me tell you, like, I did the census and this is what happens. Like, you know, like it's that thing where you almost have to share the wealth and share the information in a way that you see it as a cool thing to do. You know, I think that if we approach it in a lighthearted manner, we understand that it's not so serious. What is serious is what we get out of it, which is money. Absolutely. And as we mentioned, the census has been cut short by a month. So at this point is ending on September 30th, which is crazy. But we also want to make sure everybody knows that they should participate as soon as possible. So if you're posting something, reminding folks to register to vote or encouraging them to vote, also make sure you're talking about the census. And we want to get the word out that everyone should participate and particularly everyone has an opportunity to exercise their right to participate in the census. Okay, last question, Christella. In many ways, these are dark and challenging times. So what's giving you hope right now? We found out Kamala Harris is running for VP. I've always said, growing up as poor as I did, the only thing you could ever count on having is hope. You know, that is the one thing. Hope just gets you by and you realize that sometimes things aren't good, but you realize that you have those bad moments so that when they're good, you appreciate them on a different level. So when I see right now in this year that has been difficult for so many, the fact that I see history being made in front of me gives me so much hope because it makes me realize that in a time of difficulty, equality can always thrive in any situation. So as hard as it may be, as hard as it may feel, things are still happening. And when I see things happening that evolve and change our lives for the better, that for me is the hope that we all need to remember and hold on to. Well, we're definitely going to leave it there. Christella, thank you so much for joining us on Pod for the Cause. Back to you, Ashley. Thanks, Beth and Christella, for that great interview. Also, can I get one of those shirts? Because I'm really feeling left out. Up next, Beth will hit you with her hot take where she gets a few things off of her chest in three minutes or less. You can't count on me like one, two, three, I'll be there. And I know when I need it, I can count on you like four, three, two, and you'll be there. Cause that's what friends are supposed to do, oh yeah. Welcome back to Pod for the Cause, where we've been talking all things census. Between the pod squad and my conversation with Cristela Alonzo, I have a few things to say. Across the country, people are wondering where Congress is on a COVID relief package. Families and communities are hurting. They're out of work. They're struggling to educate students and children at home or considering sending them to schools that are ill-prepared. 
Families are struggling with slow internet or no connectivity at all and worried about putting affordable food on the table. One thing you may not realize is that the 2020 census will help us on our road to recovery, and it is essential for our communities to survive and rebuild from this crisis. The 2020 census will provide some of the relief that our communities are yearning for. That's why the Census Bureau and the administration called for more time for communities to respond and give communities the opportunity to raise their voice and say, I count through October 31st. Unfortunately, people in power in this administration now want to shorten that time period by four weeks, by one month less. We need to stop this. Congress can save the census in the upcoming COVID relief package and give communities the resources that they need and give the Census Bureau the time it needs to count everyone. Tell Congress to save the census. America needs lasting COVID-19 relief and any bill must stop efforts to cut the 2020 census short. This isn't a partisan issue. Congress must act before it's too late. A failed census will fail this whole country. Every state in the nation will live under the harm of an undercount for the next 10 years. Tell Congress to save the census. Thanks for listening to Pod for the Cause, the official podcast of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and the Leadership Conference Education Fund. For more information, visit civilrights.org. And connect with me on Twitter or Instagram at Pod for the Cause. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave a five-star review. Until then, I'm Ashley Allison for Pod for the Cause. And remember, a cause is nothing without the people. Get up.